theyeshiva.net. So we began a mimer. Vayeshev Yaakov Be'eretz Meguri Elvav Be'eretz Canaan. Yaakov dwelled in the home of the resident, Yaakov dwelled in the country of the residence of his father, the land of Canaan, which is in Torah, Er, Parshas Vayeshev. It's a mimer, a discourse that the Baal Atanya, the Alter Rebbe said in the year Tov Kuf Samach Gimel, 1802. People want to know, how do I know the year? There's no year on the top. The reason is, at that time, most of the writers would not be uh, so sensitive and meticulous to write the date. It was more the concept and the theme that they were trying to preserve. Today, it's different. You know, we have, we understand, you write a date in the beginning when it was said, but then it was, uh, they were focused on the theme and the content, on the primius, not <coughs> not the peripherals. But some were meticulous. So one of the manuscripts of this Maimer, because the Maimarim had many different people writing it, and sometimes different people copying it from the writers, and one of them, it says, Tavkov Samach Gimel, 1802, the end of 1802, that's how we know. And uh, we had a few classes on it, we had already three classes on it. Very, very powerful discussion, very powerful Maimer. The key is why Eretz Yisrael is called Canaan, which means business. A businessman is called the Canaan. Canaan biyadei moiznei mirma. The businessman, the Canaan, the merchant, often has uh, scales of deception. The prophet says, of course, in a derogatory way, talking about the dishonesty that can happen often in the business world. And the Alter Rebbe wants to know why the land, the holiest land, is always called in Torah the land of Canaan. And Canaan himself, the person Canaan, also doesn't have a good reputation. And he explains that the whole purpose of creation and the whole purpose of why the soul came down to the world, it's all really a reflection of a tremendous divine business investment where when you invest money, it seems like you're squandering the money. You lose the money in order to make money. You can't make money if you're not ready to lose the money. Sometimes people do lose the money. But the whole theme, the whole process of how it works is that the money leaves my domain. And I am somewhat somewhat squandering it in the sense that I don't have control over it. And yet from that, something deeper emerges, which is the revenue, the profits that Be'ezir Hashem I will make through my investment, whether I'm buying merchandise, whether I'm investing in a venture, as we spoke in previous classes. The soul coming down to this world is that process. Because the soul is filled with love and awe. And that love and awe to Hashem is diminished and compromised. Its intensity certainly is compromised or even completely concealed as it comes into this world and its truest identity becomes eclipsed. Nonetheless, we say, The training, the fact that the soul was accustomed to infinite gold and silver, which is a metaphor for awe and love, doesn't come close to the Torah to the Torah of your mouth that it experiences here. And the continuation of the Mimer explained why. What happens in this world? And the key idea was based on the Zohar, that no thought can grasp Hashem. No thought can grasp Hashem, because even the highest, deepest, most abstract, transcendent thought and emotional experience ultimately is defined by some form of language, by some form of experience, by some form of description, and therefore it doesn't have the ability to grasp the pure essence of infinity which transcends language and which transcends concepts. 
And therefore, any form of conceptualization of life, of reality, including self-conceptualization, but even divine conceptualization, ultimately does not capture, thank you, does not capture the pure, what we call atzmos, the pure essence. That's what the Zayah means, no thought, leis machshava, no thought, even in the highest, highest states of consciousness, the highest worlds, can grasp the essence. But there is one exception, aval nitfas iyu biru'usa delibah. The Zayah says he could be grasped with Ru'usa the Liba. Ru'usa the Liba means the Ratzin Halev, the desire, the yearning. Why? If no thought can grasp him, how can Ru'usa the Liba grasp him? The answer to that is because Ru'usa the Liba comes from this very notion that no thought can grasp him. Ru'usa the Liba comes when a person strips themselves, when they become frustrated, annoyed with all the stories that they told themselves, with all the conceptualizations, with all the words that we have used. And I I realize, I realize how compromising that is. That is what catapults me to a place that's beyond language, beyond thought, the essence. And that happens precisely in this world, because in all the other worlds, there's a comfort zone, there's a spiritual comfort zone. The language is beautiful, but it's in this world where there is concealment, and in this world where there is trauma, and in this world where there, the soul is eclipsed and goes through everything it goes through in this world, that it's compelled to strip itself from all self-conceptualizations. And in that process, it can touch the pure, pure essence that comes precisely from its experience here. As explained at length, in the previous classes, it's a very, uh, this is a very, very deep and existentially profound, profound concept with, with concepts with many ramifications because it's really the Maimer that teaches us not just how to heal, but why we have to deal with it. The, the Maimarim, every Maimer is a path to, towards healing, towards recovery, towards, towards deeper alignment with the self and, 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 and the core of the world. But here we go to a step deep. We go we, here. He takes us into a deeper journey, explaining to us. I would put it as I put it in one of the headlines: Why there is trauma? Why there are these obstacles in order to get to a process of guula, which is infinitely deeper than all of the highest worlds, because you're going to the atmos, to the essence itself. And Alter Rebbe said, "This is the ultimate Kanan, This is the ultimate business venture, where everything is lost." But through that, everything is gained. You lose God, so to speak. In this world, you lose so much. But you find, you lose all of the revelations, but you find Hashem Himself in this world. You lose so much, but you find, you find Hashem Himself. The kar of Hashem lechal kar of lechal asher yikru'u be'emes. He spoke about what that be'emes means. Those who call Him out in truth. Amitas nekudus halev. He says there's different types of relationships. I may be involved in something emotionally, but it's not, it did not touch my core, my essence, and therefore there's no ultimate loyalty. The thief, before he steals, he also davens Tashem. He believes. He says a person can have a nice davening, and after davening, things are back to the way they were before davening. Why? He says that his connection did not go in lifnaiva lifnim. It didn't go in. He never went in lifnaiva lifnim. Meaning he never went into his own core, his own essence. When something touches you, 
on a certain level, the depth of one's heart, here he says, you're not going to lose it. Your loyalty will not be substituted. Different types of relationships. Let's continue inside. Open your source sheets, whether you're in Zoom or on the website, wherever you are. On the yeshiva.net, you can have your source sheets and they stay there if you want to review it later. Or you have a Torah, it's Parshas Vayeshev. In the source sheet, it's page 53, Chav Zayin, column 2. The second paragraph begins, Vihine. Vihine Ksiv, the famous Pasuk that we often quote from Parshas Teldos, the Pasuk says, HaKol Kel Yaakov. The voice is the voice of Yaakov when Yaakov comes into Yitzchak to receive the blessings and Yitzchak touches him and listens to him and has a conversation with him. So the language that Yitzchak uses is HaKol Kol Yaakov. The voice is the voice of Yaakov. But here there's a very interesting what would seem something that is amiss. Hakal Kal Yaakov, look how he spells it here. It's from the Sefer Torah this way. The first Hakal is missing a Vav. The second Hakal, the second Kal has a Vav. You see, Hakal, the voice. Kal Yaakov is the voice of Yaakov. So he repeats the same word twice, Kal, but the first time without a Vav. Kadma, the first one, Chaser Vav, is missing a Vav. The second one has a Vav. What does this mean? A voice is Kal in Hebrew. Kal is spelled Kuf Vav Lamet. K-O-L, kol. But once it's spelled without a vav, the second time with a vav. What is Yitzchak referring to? Why does the Sevetayda write it this way? So people who are not used to this type of precision say, okay, well, you're missing a letter. You're not missing a letter. The Sevetayda is written this way. The first time it's missing a vav, the second time it has a vav. Now it would seem that kol is with a vav. Kol, vav, lama. That's how we say Lishmaya Lishmaya b'kol for the blessing. The answer is Shubchinas Kalad Loyishtama. The first coil is a voice that can't be heard. The coil basra maliva vubchinas kaladishtama kamashikasabazaira kadash. The second coil is with a vav because it's a voice that can be heard. This distinction is made in the holy book of Zayar. Vav like the like the the figure the the visage the image of vav represents a line that extends downward which means there's communication there's communication from a higher from a deeper place into a more externalized reality the first coil is not communicated it's a voice it's a very powerful voice it's more powerful than the second voice but it's not heard because it's so powerful it's called kala delayishtama when somebody's voice is not heard, it doesn't mean that the voice is not powerful. It means it's so powerful that the words will not capture it. It's so deep, it's so intense, there's no words for it. Psychologically also, if you want to, if you want to give an example or an illustration, sometimes a person has such a deep experience, but they never learned how to talk about it. There's no expression for it. There's no manifestation for it. So it's not like it doesn't have an impact. On the contrary, it has a much deeper impact because there's no release. It's not just other people don't understand it. You also don't understand it. You never learned how to talk about it because how do we learn to talk about experiences, emotions? We have to learn about it. And if you never learned it, and we certainly never had a role model, it was never modeled, so the voice is there. 
But the voice is unheard, not only to others, sometimes it's unheard to yourself. You never processed it. It, never came, it was never filtered through your regular conscious processes. And therefore, it's not that it's not intense. It's more intense than any other emotion because it remains on that level of infinity. You understand? This is very heavy. That's called the loyishtam. Then there's the second coil, coil with above. It's already a coil that's heard. It's a coil that's communicated. It's the inner voice that's communicated. We all know, sometimes this is very painful. People go through sometimes experiences and they never talk about it, not only to other people, not even to themselves. There's so much shame. There's so much pain. There's so much inner self-loathing. It's not like the voice is not there. It's just nobody hears it. And sometimes I myself don't hear it. I once thought, I'm not sure this is accurate, but there is a famous Ramban, Ramban was Nachman, and he's Rabbi Nehemiah ben Nachman. He lived in Spain in the 13th century, in the 1200s. His commentary on Chumash is always fascinating, and he's he's from the first commentators who really focuses on structure. And he points out something that in Parshas Miketz, this week's portion, the brothers are arrested by the Prime Minister of Egypt, and they're accused of being spies. They're accused of espionage, and when they're together. In prison, they become introspective and they say we're guilty because so many, so many years ago, our brother begged us, he pleaded with us, he pleaded with us not to throw him into a pit and not to sell him into slavery. We did not listen to him. And the Ramban says when the story happens in Vayeshev, it doesn't say that Yosef pleaded with them. It just says that they took him, they stripped him from his tunic, his multicolorful coat that Yaakov has woven for him or made for him, and they threw him into the pit, and then they took him out of the pit, they took him out of it, and they sold him into slavery. It doesn't say anyway that Yosef was begging. So the Ramban naturally assumes that the Torah didn't point it out there. It wasn't essential to the story, but it's understandable that Yosef was pleading and begging. He's 17 years old, you're throwing him into a pit with snakes and scorpions and then selling him into slavery. So it's understandable that he was screaming and pleading and crying and begging. Later in Parshish Mikates, it's important to mention it because they were talking about their cruelty. They were being introspective about their terrible, tragic error that they made when their brother was screaming to them. But the Torah doesn't mention it. I thought perhaps there's another way of looking at it. And that is, of course, Yosef was screaming, but it wasn't a voice that could be heard. It was a kol de la It was the kol without a vav. It wasn't a kol with a vav, it was a kol without a vav. Sometimes you have to look into somebody's eyes and see how they're pleading with you, but they don't have the words. Maybe they never learned how to articulate it in words. Maybe it's too embarrassing for them to put it in words. I'm talking about now different examples of people who went through things. I don't have the words for it. I need to give you the words. But if I, you look me and you look into the person's eyes, you can see it. If you're sensitive, you can see that voice that won't be heard. Maybe that was the voice of Yosef, and therefore it's not recorded in the Torah because it was not articulated in words and letters. Only later, 22 years later, did the Shvatim suddenly discover themselves in a new way, and therefore they can hear what their brother was saying. You see this sometimes with victims of abuse. And take 10, 20 years for them to articulate what is going on. They never had the courage or even the awareness 
or the feeling of validation and acceptance that they can talk about it. So this is a fascinating distinction. Okay, I went a little off tangent here, but the point is clear. You have a coil and you have a coil. You have a coil without a vav, you have a coil with a vav. What's the connection here? Stalter Rebbe continues. So, Biyuratvarim, the explanation is this coil, coil Yaakov. So, just to say the key, to, to, to understand the point, the Nakuda of this Maimur is the Ru'usa, the Liba, that is created in this world. Precisely because, Mimamakim Krasicha Hashem. Here I can go into the deepest form of experience that comes precisely from the fact that I am in prison. Precisely from the fact that I'm in prison here in this world, that my soul is eclipsed, my soul's energy is obstructed, the love and the awe are challenged in such a profound way. It's because of that that in this world, a person can touch an essence, a level of reality, which is the ultimate reality, the core of reality that you cannot experience in any other world. Which, by the way, by the way, it's the reason by Yosef, it says, from prison he went to rule, and it's explained in Svarim, in, in, in Chabad, and in other chassidus, in Svasemes explains, that it's precisely because he was in prison that he can reach that space. Because in that place, he was, so to speak, challenged to reinvent himself. And when you reinvent yourself from that place, you yourself becomes a completely different self that you couldn't reinvent anywhere else. Precisely because of the challenge that he faced. It's also connected to Hanukkah. That the light of Hanukkah, which is considered the deepest light, it's already the light of the Gula, is lit only after sunset. In the base Hamikdash, they would light the menorah during daytime. Hanukkah, they lit the menorah only, we light the menorah after the night, after, after sunset. There's different customs exactly when, but the common denominator is you don't do it before Shkia. You do it at the time of sunset. I know there's different menhagim a few minutes earlier, a few minutes later, but the point is in the Beis HaMikdash, it was earlier in the day. Because in the Beis HaMikdash, as he said earlier, there was a revelation of Ein Saif. But in Golos, in the darkness, you remember he spoke about you search from there, it's what the Bakiva learns out from what's happening in Rome, as we learned in last class. And this brings you to the place of tshuva, to the place of return, catapulting you back to that which is kadmaloilam, that which is deeper than every level of consciousness, every level of words, as explained. So he says, the first coil without a voice, that's the coil that touches that core in the heart which transcends voices, because it transcends language. A voice is articulated ultimately in language. The second coil is the coil that cult that's going to come down into language. The first coil is stripped from all language, even a voice. It's stripped even from a voice. Or the explanation is Pchinis Yaakov, who Yud Akif. Yaakov is a combination of two words, Yud and Akif. Yud, we know. Is a letter in the alphabet. It also represents Hashem because his name begins with Yud, Yud Kevavke. It's also the seminal point, it's the smallest letter. Akev means the heel, which is the lowest part of the human organism. Pidush, Hayud, Yud represents the initial thought. 
the first epiphany, the first flow, the Gemara says in Menachas Chavtes, Menachas 29, Olam Haba was created with a Yud, Olam Haz was created with a He. Olam Haba represents a higher state of consciousness. In other words, the way you take our world and you trace it back to a deeper state of consciousness, that's the Yud. When that Yud can come down to its lowest manifestation, which is speech, that's Yud coming down into the Ekev, which is the leg, the foot. This is why his name is Yaakov. Yaakov represents that which pervades and travels and extends from the highest space to the lowest. Meresh called Dargan from the highest levels. All the way down from Because in any state of consciousness, in any world, you'll always have the head and you'll always have the leg. The Navi says about Mashiach, his legs, Hashem's feet, so to speak, will stand that day on the Mount of Olives. Uksiv, where the Pasuk says in Yeshaya Ha'aretz Adoim Ragloi. The earth is my footstool. Uksiv Mokim Ragloi Akavit. I become honored from the place of my feet. V'yakiv Ubchinis Yud Ekev Bechol Oilam V'Oilam Lefierka. In every single world, based on its quality, Yaakov represents that synthesis, that ability to be able to go from the Yud all the way into the Ekev. In other words, Yaakov's unique ability is that he can journey from the highest to the lowest without getting lost in the process. And it's not an easy process because Yaakov's life was that life. Yaakov's, life's was, Yaakov's, life, Yaakov's life was characterized by so many vicissitudes, by so many upheavals. In his life, he had to transport himself from one space to another space and constantly reinvent himself. But his unique ability was to be able to hold on to truth, to Hakshem, wherever he went. That's the uniqueness when he runs away from his parents home and he has a dream. And what does he say? He wakes up and he says, God is here even if I don't know. That's Yaakov's ability. To be able to know that God is here even if I can't know it, even if I can't wrap my brain around it, even if it's not so manifested and clear, but it's the truth. So Yaakov, any level of reality, Yaakov here represents a concept. It's the ability to articulate the Yud in the world of Ekev. The the voice that can be heard, represents generally what we call Torah. Torah is communication. It's communication of wisdom, of ideas, of laws, of mitzvahs, of traditions. Just as the human voice, which connects and brings out that which is hidden in the depths of your heart, that you can articulate it in words. That's the coil that articulates your emotions, your sensations, your experiences, your thoughts, your ideas, your internal, what he calls kavanas halev, that which is going on inside your psyche. Can you articulate it in words? That's what coil is. That's the function of a voice. Sometimes it's in words. Sometimes it's in tears, sometimes it's in singing, sometimes it's in poetry. And sometimes it's articulated, Pashat and Dibur, you talk about it. The Kacha Torah, that's why Torah is called Koyal, Hibchinis Chachmeila. Essentially, Torah is divine wisdom. It's called the highest form of wisdom. The Zayar says Hashem is wise, but not with a known wisdom. His wisdom is infinite. Shari Taimei ha mitzvis loin is galu. Because the ultimate reason, the ultimate 
meaning, the ultimate tam. Tam is the flavor of mitzvahs has not been revealed. What do you mean? There are so many reasons for mitzvahs. But to really be manifested in a revealed way, that somebody should say, I can understand all the depths of the secrets of Torah in nuance, detail, that's not true. It does not exist. Yes, there are certain reasons, there are certain explanations, but ultimately there's a whole dimension of Torah and mitzvahs that we don't grasp, that we don't comprehend. There's so many details and so many secrets, deeper layers and deeper layers and deeper layers that are so transcendent. Each layer and each detail of a mitzvah is significant. But a major part of it is Chachmai law that has not been articulated in a way that our brains can grasp it. And yet it comes out in an articulate way. <clears throat> By coming out in physical things so we can grasp it. Meaning halach is structured in a way that one has a relationship with mitzvahs through physical tangible acts or the laws of agriculture have to deal with planting and with plowing and sowing and harvesting and weeding, weeding out and all the laws of tithing, the laws of the various contributions. Whether you're talking about chali, you're talking about trumi, you're talking about maisi, you're talking about bekurmi, then you have mayat. All the, all the halachas connected to times, to holidays, nashim, relationships, and the zikin, the civil laws, kachim, taris. So Hashem took his chachmeilah his deepest, deepest, profound wisdom, and he articulates it in a physical world that we should be able to study it and practice it. Even though essentially, it's it's the highest form of wisdom because taimei mitzvahs, most of the deeper elements of mitzvahs have not been revealed. This is why he said, Torah is called the koil, Yaakov is associated with Torah. So Yaakov is associated with Torah. What is Torah? Torah, he says, is... It's the koil, it's the voice that communicates the kavanas halev, Hashem's deepest wisdom in a way that's articulate and definitive that the human being can live with it. And that's what Torah mitzvahs are. The hainum abchines yud, yud eikon, abchines yud, shulchach me'ilah liyas nimshechat eikavu asiyah. The yud, which is the seminal point, chach me'ilah, the highest wisdom, the deepest wisdom of Hashem, comes down all the way till eikav, which is the leg, and not only the leg, the soul, the Akiv is the soul, the bottom of the foot, for Huasiya, which represents ultimate action, implementation, and execution in the physical world. That's the coil with above, the coil that brings down all the way into this place. That's Yaakov. But there's another coil, the coil without above. There's no second curl without a first curl. Ah. For the person to be able to be a receptacle. For the person to be able to be a receptacle, a keli, a container, and a mochin. A mochin is a, a residence, right? Mochin is like a dwelling place. Uh, today they call in Hebrew mochin like a center for something. It's a home for something. In order for you to be a home. That that the divine wisdom, the divine truth should dwell and be manifested in the person learning Torah. I have to open myself up to the voice that can't be heard. 
this is very, very profound. I want to illustrate this in life, and then we'll understand it as a marshal for what Alter Rebbe is saying. And in this case, the marshal and the nimshal are very connected. In very simple English, for your voice to communicate your deepest self in an articulate fashion, you first have to be able to become comfortable with those voices that can't be heard. One of the deepest elements that don't allow for real, a real flow is that there's a part of me that I'm too uncomfortable to look at. I'm too uncomfortable to confront. It's a coil without a vav. It's a color the loyishtama. And therefore, I don't even allow myself to listen to it. And therefore, a major part of my life is focused on avoidance. How much of my life is focused on avoidance? That's the key. You with me, Chavra? It's not just for the therapists. <laughs> it's not just for the therapists who are here. <laughs> How much of my life is focused on avoidance? How much of a person's life is about trying to avoid that which I don't want to look at? And therefore, I conveniently and brilliantly concoct a lifestyle and a personality that justifies avoidance. Now, I see the women understand, the men also understand. You're avoiding what I'm going to say. Now, here's the issue. If I'm really avoiding something, so do you think I know that I'm avoiding it? My brother once told me, my brother Rip Simon told me that a person came to him for advice. So my brother listened to the challenge and he said, you know, is it possible that you have a blind spot or maybe more than one blind spot? So the person says, yeah, of course I have blind spots, but I know them. Right? So when somebody tells you, of course I have blind spots, but I know all my blind spots, <laughs> that's real avoidance. Because if I know all my blind spots, then I got no blind spots. But maybe I have a blind spot that I'm unaware of. So when I'm really avoiding, I don't know that I'm avoiding. Because if I know that I'm avoiding, then I'm not avoiding anymore. Then I'm in contact with the fact that I'm avoiding. That itself is tremendous awareness. So in real avoidance, I have to really open myself up, and that takes a lot of bitl. Bitl means stripping myself, stripping myself from all those layers of experience that teach me that I can't be true, that I can't ultimately trust my core essence. That's what bitl is. Bitl is the courage, the fortitude. It takes a lot of courage to have bitl, to strip myself from all the stories from the need of avoidance, from the need of denial, of suppression, of repression, because of the fear that what comes out is going to be too dangerous, too toxic, too poisonous, too horrific for even me to be aware of. Bitterless, can I let go of all of that and just allow my truth to emerge because the ultimate truth is, of course, a reflection of the divine truth. You don't have to be afraid of it. The only way my koil with a vav is a real koil, meaning it communicates the deepest depths, is if I first have contact with my koil without a vav, with my incommunicable self, with the part of me that's, that doesn't have a vav, with the, with the ultimate voice that can't be expressed and can't be manifested. It's too deep. Only when you have a relationship with that voice... 
Only when I can open myself up to that voice can my actual voice reflect the ultimate truth. Because there are two types of voices. There are voices, there is verbiage that expresses and there's verbiage that conceals. There's verbiage that becomes a flow, there's a seamless flow between your essence and your externalized world, and then there's a verbiage that's got the gift of gab. You know, they say he's a good schmoozer, he's a good schmoozer. Schmoozer means, you know, you have the gift of gab, you have the social uh, skills to be able to maneuver through a conversation without saying anything, right? They say about certain people, they have a talent in speaking and saying nothing. Sometimes you speak and you say nothing. And sometimes you speak and you deny everything in the speaking, not consciously, but just the words don't capture the inner voice. You want that the outer voice should capture the inner voice. That's hakoil, koil yakov, yud ekev. Yud ekev is the ability for the koil to come into koil, for the koil without avav to come into koil with avav. Now here's the Alter Rebbe's Moedikivartir. Torah is a koil with avav. Torah is articulated. Torah is articulated in words and in thoughts and in actions. That's the whole Torah. But first is the other koil. There's the koil without avav. In what is really Torah? Torah is not a set of rules. Torah is divine wisdom. It's chachmelah. It's the source of reality. It's that which is beyond all of the electrons and that which is beyond. All of, it's, the, it's the first wave of reality. It's the first wave. It's the first thought of God and even that which can't be grasped in a thought, which is why so much of Torah, we can't grasp fully. We can't grasp all the reasons of mitzvahs, even though we see dazzling brilliance. But there's ultimately a core that we don't grasp. For a person to be able to be open to that, says the Alter Rebbe, the person needs what's called Reusa Deliba, Kala Deloyushtama, Bittl. The Ruach Amshich Ruach. One spirit generates another spirit. My love to you reciproc- is reciprocal. It creates reciprocity. Ruach Amshich Ruach. It's a famous expression in Zoyer that Al Rebbe often brings. One Ruach draws forth another Ruach. Ruach is spirit, energy. Allowing for the light of Hashem to dwell and be manifested in the person. That the wisdom of Hashem should be able to really be manifested in the person's mind. So that the cognitive faculties in my brain become open to the God's cognition so that my brain can become a, a channel. This is the concept. This is the experience of his, I said the concept, this is the experience of his dapkus rucha berucha. One ruach cleaves and connects with another ruach. There is complete, seamless intimacy between the person and Hashem. That's what bitl is bitl means. That I let go of all my blockages. And I let go of all those voices inside of me that don't allow me to experience full alignment, and that's Ru'usa Daliba. It's the deepest desire of the heart, which strips me from any conceptualization, any self-conceptualization, that doesn't allow me to experience myself as the full flow of the divine infinity. This is a voice that can't be heard, because I'm trying to go into a much deeper, deeper place. This is not about how I articulate myself to myself. This is the self that's beyond articulation, that the whole Mimer is talking about what happens only in this world. 
You have to hear, you have to have all the other shiurim for this. You have to have the previous mom. You're not going to understand this point. This is kaladalayishtama. This is the voice in yourself that you can't articulate because it's not articulable. This is ruusa the liba, which touches atzmus, which is layishtama, which is undefined in language. Valzan Nemar, on this, the Pasuk says, Ki elekai bikirbi. Ah, there's an expression. Elekai bikirbi. Hashem is inside of me. Literally, bikirbi means in my, te- in my, in my intestines. Kerev is the inside of me. The Kravayim are the intestines, the Kishkas. So, Elekai bikirbi. God is inside of me. That's where He is. Really, God is inside of you. He says, yeah, that's what it's, when a person experiences that bitl elakai is bekebe because my very insides are what? Are a conduit. Uksiv, the Pasuk says, dvare beficha. God says, I'll, I'll, I'll put, place my words in your mouth. Dvarai, not your words, my words. Dvarai mamish, ki Because the real person who becomes a conduit for Hashem the halacha is the word of Hashem, and this is what comes through the person, and this is what speaks from his throat. Therefore, it says in the Torah, through me kings will reign, as the Rambam puts it, that the crown of Torah is greater than the crown of royalty, and the crown of priesthood, this keser kohuna, this keser malchus, great, Priesthood was given to Levi, to Aaron, and Malchus was given to Yehuda, to David. But Keser Malchus, the Keser Torah, is greater than everything. Torah is what allows kings to rule. In other words, it's greater than aristocracy and royalty. Vamrin and Chazal say, Man Malki Rabbanon, who are the real kings. It's the true sages of Torah. Umasnisa Malkasa. Chazal say, the Brises is Malkus, are the queen. What does this mean? It's not about having a good IQ and a lot of data. Somebody who's truly in Bittl, somebody who's completely aligned. <clears throat> they don't live in the world of ego and separateness, but they're completely aligned with Hashem's word. Uritsoyne is will. Vichachmasi is wisdom. I don't occupy separate independent space. So now the word of the king is what rules Vuhubchinis Melech Shagoizavim. So paradoxically, this person becomes the king. And this person decrees and says, Shaim Yitinruvin Kach Yikach. All of the halachas that we discuss in Shas. If Ruven says this, the law is this. If Ruven says this, then the law is this way. If Shimon says this, the law is this way. Vikhain or Lasas Kach do this, which is Kach, not to do this, Vikhuli, etc. Vainabchinis Evid, he's not anymore a servant. That's only when you do mitzvahs. It's like a servant who fulfills the mitzvah of the king and does his words. This is a deeper relationship than Evet. This is where you are a manifestation of Hashem. That's what real bittel is. In other words, there's a state of consciousness called an Evet. That's what mitzvahs are. And then there's a state of consciousness, which is Torah, which is you become the vehicle for the divine itself. Mitzvahs sometimes represent separateness. You know, I work for you. I'm your employee. You give me a list. This is a to-do list. And I have to check it off. You did this, you did this, you did that. But essentially, who am I? I'm an Evid. I'm a servant. So he says, you have a Jew who's an Evid Hashem, which is incredible. Hashem says, do this, do this, do this. And that's what he does. He fulfills the mitzvahs of the Melech and he does it. Says the Alter Rebbe, that's Asiyah's HaMitzvahs. 
But here we're talking about something deeper. In order to become Hakoil Koil Yaakov, the first Koil, it's to go into the Ru'usa, the Libra, where I become completely one. That's what real experience of Torah is. The real experience of Torah is not just I'm learning facts or learning reasons or discussing the analysis. The real experience of Torah is where I become a conduit for the divine to flow through me. I become a conduit for the Yud to be able to come into Akif. How do I become a conduit for the Yud to come into Akif? I have to go to the deepest place inside of myself, strip myself from all definitions until I'm ready to have Bittl. What is Bittl? Bittal is that who am I, my very I, is simply a derivative of the consciousness of infinity. That's the state of Gula, that's the state of ultimate light, that's the state of Ruus of the Libra. And that's always a coil without a vav, because it's beyond articulation, it's always beyond articulation. And then what happens? Now, man malki rabbonon, this type of sage, he is the melech. Masnisa malkasa, the b'raisa, is the queen. She or he are the king. What do you mean? You're not the king. You're the servant of the king. He says, no, you are the king. You know why you're the king? Because the very you is completely one with the source. So you become the most empowered, invigorated person. You run your world. And in many ways, you run the world. You impact the world. Why? Because you're completely one with the source. There's no separateness anymore. Your consciousness becomes one with the source of consciousness. This is the Baal Shem Tev's explanation. We know we learn in, in Chazal tell us how Tzadik Goyzev, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Mekayim, a Tzadik can affect things in the world. How? What is it? It was some magic. Chas v'shalom. My consciousness is essentially a flow of divine energy, but it often gets blocked and obstructed and concealed and filtered and therefore condensed and it goes through so many blockages. But when a person has real bitl, so now my consciousness strips itself from all the lower layers and it goes pre-language, it goes back to the ultimate you, to the ultimate source, to but now my consciousness is tuned into the core of consciousness, to the source of all consciousness. So then your thoughts are not just your thoughts, they're God's thoughts. And the whole world is a product of God's thoughts. Famous, unbelievable word from the Baal Shem Tev, yeah. It's, just, it's incredible. This is what he's saying here. It says in Yeshaya, Yazov Rasha Darkai Ve'ish Oven Machshavaisov. We say it in it's chapter chapter fifty five of Yeshaya. It's the Haftar of a fast day. Dishu Hashem be'motzikruv yasirov Yazov Rasha Darkai Ve'ish Oven Machshavaisov. Ve'yashvul Hashem ve'rachameyu. May the Rasha let go, let, abandon his path, and the person of iniquity let go of his thoughts. Because my thoughts are not your thoughts. So there's a teaching of the Baal Shem Tev that it's not two separate things. Let go of your thoughts because my thoughts are not your thoughts. That is what the Russia thinks. The Russia thinks, He thinks that my thoughts are not your thoughts. There's detachment. He doesn't realize or she doesn't realize who you are. Your thoughts could be a manifestation of God's thoughts. But for this, I have to be able to transcend my brokenness, my toxicity. That's bittel. And that's, he says, why? It says, man malki rabbonon. The real malucha, the real kingship, belongs to the rabbonon. Real chacham, when you speak about the chachamim in Gemara, he says, what was their power? Their power, it was their powerlessness. It's not that they had great IQ. 
that they were brilliant people, that they, they had unbelievable amounts of data in their brain, they had great analysis power, they had great analytical power, they had great persuasion power, and therefore, Beis Shammai argued with Beis Hillel, or Rav argued with Shmuel, or Abaya argued with Rav, or Rabbi Yosef argued with Rabbi Nachman, or Ravina argued with Rabbi Ashi, or Rabbi Akiva argued with Rabbi Yosi, and Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Meir. And then you follow the halacha according to the one who was more persuasive, according to the majority, who went always for a vote. Yes, of course, that's all true. But he says the key issue was Bittel. No agenda. Not just no political agendas. Of course, no political agendas. Not even psychological agendas of avoidance. Absolute openness to the infinite truth. So now my brain can actually be a conduit for the divine wisdom, for Chachmei Allah, to flow through me, so you become the king. So when they give a psag din in halacha, that's like the king giving a decree, but it's a person, it's not God. A person who's a true conduit, that person becomes a manifestation of Hashem in this world because there's absolutely no ego. And such an authority, you respect, you have reverence for it. In the famous words of Rabbi Akiva, that the fear of Hashem includes Talmidei Chachamim. How? Shimon Hamsuni didn't want to say that. He went away from this. He, he, canceled his whole, he canceled his whole interpretation of S. Because how can you include a Talmud Chacham? But Rabbi Akiva understood the real Talmud Chacham is somebody who's a Talmud of Chachma. Chachma is Bittl. There's complete Bittl. So then Yiris Hashem applies to him because there's no him. The very him is a conduit for Hashem. That's the first coil. When you have the first coil, when you go beyond any level of self-articulation with complete bittel, now you can have the second coil. Now the highest reality can flow through you and be communicated through you all the way down to Ekev. And that's the Torah that we have. So here the mind becomes full circle of what is achieved in this world and that's why halacha can only be given in this world, not in the higher worlds. Famous story about Messiah, Rabbi Bar Nachman, there was a fight in heaven, there was an argument about a certain question of leprosy. It's in Maseches Bab Metziah, Daf Pehe. Pehdalad. And the question was, Man Noichach, Rabbi Bar Nachman, they had to ask Rabbi, who was living in this world, to make peace between God and the yeshiva of heaven. <laughs> and he said to her, Why? Halachic <laughs> can happen only in this world. Because in this world is Ru'usa the Liba, which is the ultimate bittel, so you become a conduit for Hashem's essence, for Hashem's innermost wisdom that comes from His essence, which is what Torah represents. So this is where the whole Maimah comes together, what happens in this world with Ru'usa the Liba. It's the first coil, the first voice without a vav that allows the second voice with a vav. Not a voice of avoidance, but a voice of revelation. And he finishes, We now come back to the beginning. Yaakov dwelled in the land where his father lived, and then it's repetitive, in the land of Canaan. So the Alter Rebbe says, he started the Mayim, that there are two types of lands, which are two vessels for the higher life to dwell in. Chayim is plural, and Aratzis is plural. And from there he went into why Eretz Yisrael is called Knan, the whole idea of Cham Avi Knan, Cham is the father of Knan, it's the warmth, it's the passion. 
that's created in this world, Ruusa the Liba, that's the father of Canaan. So the Alter Rebbe finishes now, Vazel, Vayeshav Yaakov, Beretz, Maguriav, Beretz, Canaan. This is the idea that Yaakov lived in the dwelling place, in the country where his father lived. Vayeshev always means he sat, which is the idea that I humble myself. I come down from the place where I'm standing. When a person is standing, full stature. Vayeshev is you sit down. So it's descending into the place where I sit. Yaakov is Yud Ekev. So Yaakov humbles himself. Yaakov communicates. Vayeshev, he sits down. When I'm standing, I'm standing fully erect. But in order to come down to Ekev, right? I sit down, which represents Yaakov comes down. He sits down. In order to go into the country where his father lives. The word Megure is usually translated as residence. Like Gur Ba'aretz Hazos. Anigarpa, right? You say in Hebrew, I live here. Megure is a place of living, but it has also two interpretations. Megure comes, Megure means fear. Like you say, don't fear anybody. The land of his father's fear. The land of his father's awe. Yira. Be'eretz Megure Yaviv. Habez Lashen Oitzer. Kamei Megure Malaya Peris. Another interpretation of Megure, besides awe, reverence, fear, is Oitzer, which means a treasure chest. Kamei Megure Malaya Peris. Like a drawer that's filled with fruits, or a storehouse that's filled with fruits. It's basically a vessel, a space, like a silo, a place where you put things, you, 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 uh, you deposit things. An oitzer is a deposit, like a treasure. But it doesn't necessarily mean a treasure of pearls and diamonds. It could be anything, a store place of fruits, a room where you place vegetables, a room where you place money, whatever it is, it's called an oitzer. An oitzer is a storehouse, like a treasure chest. Whatever is in that chest. Megura Malaya Peir is an expression of Chazal. Megura is a drawer or a container. It's filled with fruits. The two interpretations converge. Literally, they both ascend in one stalk. It's, it's just a beautiful expression. They, both interpretations ascend in one stalk. Right? Like we have in this week's parsha, the dream of, of, of Pare, the seven Shibalim, Oilois Bekana Echat. Kana is a stick, a stalk. So the two interpretations, Megure as awe, and Megure as a treasure, a place where you store something, are connected. The verse says, and the Gemara famously brings it in Masechus Shabbos, The fear of Hashem is his treasure, his treasure chest. Chazal speak about a treasure of Yerushalayim. A person has an oitzer. A person, what does it mean you have an oitzer? It means that I turn myself into a container, a drawer, a silo, a chest, a, a place, a space where the awe of heaven can dwell. This is the higher, deeper level of Yerah. Yerah boishas. There's an element of boishas. Boishas is shame or respect. Not shame as in self-shame. Shame as in complete humility and reverence. A person is mesmerized and awed by something. Bebchina is bittel. This is the complete place of bittel. Hu kli kibble. This is what it turns you into a keli. Into a vessel. Lechach love for the highest wisdom. Sheyeshayrum is galabait. That it should dwell and be manifested through the person. So megure aviv is Yaakov 
sits down, Vayeshev, he dwells, he comes down into Megureyavav. You explained Yaakov is Yud coming into Ekev. Vayeshev is bringing down that Yaakov to come into the land of Megureyavav. What's Megurey? Two things. Number one, Yira. It represents Yitzchak was Yira, Pachad Yitzchak, the highest level of Yira Shemayim. The second is Oitzer. Megure is a place where you store something. Which one is it? Is it fear or is it a storage place? The Alter Rebbe says it's both. Your Oitzer is one of Yir Shemayim. Every Jew has an Oitzer of Yir Shemayim. A treasure chest of fear of God. It's an Oitzer. The Oitzer can be buried. Right? Like you have a, an Oitzer. You have a place where you bury it, where you hide it. But it's an Oitzer. It's containing. It's, it's a place in you that could contain the highest level of awe. What is the highest level of awe? The highest level of awe is not that I'm afraid of punishment. That's a very basic level of fear. It's not even that I'm afraid of consequences. It's not even that I'm afraid somebody's going to catch me, somebody's going to see me, I'm going to be embarrassed. That's all lower levels of fear. He says, Yirei law. A higher level of awe is, you're in awe. In the presence of this, I lose every other, I lose every definition of self outside of infinity. You're awed by the truth. You're awed by the awesomeness of it. You're awed by the greatness of it. And you melt away in ecstasy. You know those moments? Let's say you're in love with music, right? And you go to a symphony or you hear a song and you just... You melt. Your ego melts. You're not afraid of somebody. You're not afraid somebody's going to punish you. And that's why you don't leave. You just can't leave. This is the place you want to be. Poi eshev ki As David HaMelech says, I want to stay here. Why do I want to stay here? Not because I need a ch- I want to be on a, I want to get into a raffle. Shifti beves Hashem kol Hashem I don't want to tear myself away from this. It's too good. Yeah, what do they, how do they sing today? It's geschmack to be a yid. It's geschmack to be a yid. Hey, bam, 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 bye, 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 bam, 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 When a Jew really dances, what are you dancing for? You're dancing for so for the pictures. Dancing because he or she can't not dance. It's not a reason. You dance because this is where you want to stay. Because this is it brings out the deepest chords of your soul. What did the Alter Rebbe famously say? Tamuru kitei vavaya Farzucht vetirzen As the Rebishter is good The Alter Rebbe went to Shklov. It was a very, very, uh, it was a very strong city of learning. And there were many in the early years, it was a Lithuanian city. It's still a Lithuanian city. Belarus, Lithuania, Shklov. Lita, Belarus. And he was in Shklov, and he went on to the Bima, and there were many opponents. Those years, there were many opponents there from of the Hasidim and the Hasidic movement. The Alter Rebbe gave a clap on the Bima, and he said, Tamuru kitei vavaya, fazucht vetizen, as the Rebishter is good. Tamuru kitei vashem is a verse from Tehillim 34, chapter Lamedalad. We say it Shabbos morning. So he was saying, Tamu, taste it, and you'll see that it's good. You, but you have to taste. I'm going to argue with you. I can argue with you from today till tomorrow. What is that going to help? Try to tell somebody, this food is good, and argue with them. Taste it. 
Tamura, when you taste it, when you experience it, there's no turning back. You say, yeah, but maybe not. Taste it. The moment it hits the spot, you know it hit the spot. Nothing else hit the spot. Tamuru, elikus hits the spot. It's like uh, trying, you have to convince somebody to breathe. We're going to argue with you, you should breathe. <laughs> Instinctively, even a child knows, you want to live, you breathe, it's oxygen. So the Alter Rebbe says, that's, what we, that's the year we're talking about. That's the year we're talking about. This is called Megure Aviv, the year of his father. This was the year of Yitzchak. Yaakov's uniqueness is the ability to bring down the highest Chachma into the lowest levels. For that you need Yirei Law. You need the Bittal that we spoke about before, the Koyal without the Vav. Ke Yaakov Ubchines Yud Eikiv, Ubchines Ha'orev, Amshachim, Ubchines Chachma Ilah, Lamshach HaTzayv Kaldayim. To bring down the Reusa Deliba in the lowest of spaces, to bring down Hashem's deepest Chachm, which is Torah, in the lowest of places, you must have the Yirei, which is the Bittal, which is the Reusa Deliba, which is the Koyal without the Vav. Ubchines Chachma Ilah, Nikra Aviv. Father in Kabbalah is called Chachma because it's like the father who produces the sperm, the seed. That's Chachma is the epiphany. But Aviv, his father, is Chachma Elah, the highest Chachma. Yaakov Avinu wants to bring the highest Chachma, Chachma Elah, Aviv, into the Akev. For this you need to be a Keli, Bittal. Because Bittal allows you to become the king. I'm the king. I'm the queen. How am I the king? I'm the queen. That's what the real Talmud Chacham is. The real Chazal, they became the kings. Man, Malki, Rabbonon. How? Complete bittel. If there's any element of ego here, you become a dangerous man. That's why you'll forgive me. A rabbi, or a rebbe, or a Rosh Hashiva, or a spiritual authority, whose ego is the one that's calling the shots, or whose insecurity is calling the shots. It's far, far more destructive than another person because of what you represent. Because people look up to you as the voice of truth, the voice of Hashem, the voice of Torah. When that voice becomes corruptible, when the second coil is the voice from the first coil, oy, 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 Shalom. One of the great Hasidic masters said, I love this one. It says in Pirkeyavis, The fear of your teacher should be like the fear of heaven. In other words, you should have Moira from your Rebbe, like you have Meir from heaven. Now that's a tough call. A guy once asked me, I remember in Shir, somebody once asked, he says, I can't do that. You want I should fear my Rebbe like I fear God? So I told him, I think it's Rebbe Naftali Rapshitzer, one of the great Hasidic masters, the Heliker Rapshitzer, one of them. I have to look who it was. Maybe the first Belzerov. One of the great Hasidic masters said, it's not a commandment, it's a prediction. Meir Rabbach Kemeir Shamayim. You're going to fear your Rebbe as much as he fears God. You are going to fear your Rebbe as much as he fears heaven, as much as he fears Hashem. Your Yira, your awe of your Rebbe is just going to be a reflection of his Yira's Shemayim. That's it. Ah. <laughs> That's healthy Judaism. That's healthy Judaism. No cult. We're not, we don't believe in cults. If your Rebbe's Yerushamayim is impeccable and absolute, you could fear your Rebbe. Because you're not fearing your Rebbe, you're fearing God. He's a conduit for the Ratzon Hashem. And if not, 
if he just has agendas, which is fine. He can go into real estate and become a real estate tycoon. No problem. But your murder of your Rebbe is going to be Kim murder Shemayim like his murder of Shemayim. Says the Alter Rebbe, Migure Aviv, that's Chachmei Law. To be a Kali for Chachmei Law, you need Yirah. And you have to be the Oitzer of Yirah. Yirah is Hashem Yitzer. You have to become the Megura, the treasure chest where Yirah lives. So you don't disappear. You become the oitzer. You become the conduit, the manifestation, the container of Yiras Hashem. That's what Yaakov wants to do. Hakol kol Yaakov. This is what we call the higher level of unity, where ruach becomes one with Hashem, and the way you learn Torah is in a way that you're completely nullified. In other words, you're completely transparent. So that Chachmei love flows through you. Then there is what we call the lower level of unity. We remember the, again back to the beginning of the Maimer. The whole world was created through Malchus. Malchus is the way godliness is condensed and articulated in words. That's the words of definition and descriptions. You want over there, also the oneness should be revealed. You don't want to detach the two worlds. Rusa deliver when I transcend myself and I strip myself from language, I can go back to Atzimus. But there's a world of language. You want ultimately a seamless flow. Here Yaakov has to re-humble himself in a different way. To bring forth the kindness from the highest levels to the lowest levels until this lowest earth, which is called Knan, which is Hashem's Malchus. As the prophet says, that the king establishes the land through justice. And he prepares the throne through kindness. The world lives through chesed, kindness. The Pesach says, The world was built through kindness. This relates to the general concept of observing the mitzvahs which are all rooted in love and kindness. There's not a single mitzvah that is a manifestation of chesed. That is not a manifestation of chesed. That's why Hillel said that love is the whole Torah and the mitzvahs, but specifically it's mitzvah satzdaka. The chesed, the mitzvah of charity and kindness, in Yerushalmi, when it says mitzvah stam, just mitzvah, it's referring to tzedakah. Why? Because the mitzvah of charity captures the essence of the mitzvahs. As the Gemara says that the mitzvah of charity is equivalent to all the mitzvahs. Commission is Tanya is also explained in Tanya chapter 37. So therefore, here you have the ability to bring down only through kindness, through loving kindness, can you ultimately allow the Yud even to come down in Malchus, which is the lower level of unity. That's the redundancy. There's two levels of communication. Eretz Megure Yaviv is Yaakov bringing down the highest level of Chachme Chachme Law into a person's life where you become a conduit in learning Torah. That's how you come to Chaviv, which is Chachme Law, but for this you need Megure, which is Yiri Shamayim, where you become a treasure chest for Yiri Law, which is Rusa Deliba. Then there's another Chiddush, Be'eretz Knan. You ultimately have to bring it down into the lowest reality of Knan. 
which is our physical earth, where there's the whole business that we discussed about, where the world is defined by words. And he says here, Yaakov also brings it down there, so that ultimately the two can become one. And for this, he says, you have to have the element of chesed. V'huchan b'chesed, kisei, to bring down the flow all the way down into this earth, into the world of Malchus, so that ultimately there could be the unity. And this at least is one way of finishing them. At least, this is the end of the Maimer. I always, I'm hesitant to say the end of the Maimer, because the Maimer you could learn again and again and again. But uh, the key is to be able to live with it. Questions? Okay. This is our Chavrusa from Pakistan. This is beautiful. You have to look into their eyes to know what they can't say with their mouth. Yes, that's the first coil. This is powerful. Yes, it is. One clue. Your idealism is usually your blind spot. It's the most ideal way to justify what you are covering up. Yes, that's a very uh, authentic observation. When I'm covering up something, when I'm avoiding something, it's not easy uh, to justify it. So what does my brain do? It's a trick. It becomes an idealistic uh, paradigm. So I'm not covering anything up. I'm just doing the right... <laughs> I'm believing in the right things. So very often idealism, not always, but often idealism can become our blind spot because it's a very ideal way, pun intended, to justify what I'm covering up and to justify that I'm covering up something. And that's why you really have to be able to go away from your idealism. Not go away from your idealism, but challenge and make sure that my idealism is not being fueled by fear. Question. This explains the fight of Yaakov and the angel. Maybe he was fighting his own blind spot. And this explains why Torah says that Hashem breathed his ear into Adam. Yaakov saw angels coming down and up from a ladder from heaven to earth. Is that also connected? I'm sure it's connected. It's Maimah doesn't make that connection, but I'm sure there is some connection. A beautiful Hanukkah filled with love, inspiration, brightness, light, sending you my love and blessings to have a illuminated, and as we say in Yiddish, Afrelich in Hanukkah, Alustik in Hanukkah, one filled with your light, one filled with the ability to be able to see the light around you, and inside of you, and in our entire world, until that great moment when Alter Rebbe says that ultimate light, the true light, will pervade our entire universe. <laughs> Somebody asks, very interesting. We live in a time, we live in a time where many are rising to be leaders, but only the ones who are in touch with their inner voice are able to help others hear their own voice without a sound. What do you make of that? So, you're just now, you're touching now on something that's 
that's very, very sensitive and very, very true. This is the grassroots generation, right? What do they call Isarusa de Lasata. We don't have messages coming down, you know, through prophets and then great sages who communicate their messages that we can all live by. It's really a time to find, you know, the light inside yourself, inside your family, inside the world, which is really one of the ideas of Gula, that you yourself become a conduit for the truth. But we have to work on ourselves for that. The biggest avoida is bitl, in other words, letting go of all those other perceptions. I'm going to make here a little commercial for our Yutas Kislev Abrengen. I know that it went seven hours, but triple speed was created for yours truly. So if you have a chance, try to go through it, especially the last few hours when it got a little uh, juicy <laughs> from 12 or 1 in the morning. The last three hours, I think we discussed a lot of important things about the types of people we're capable of becoming today. So we're living in a time when there are people rising to be leaders, but you see clearly that only those who are in touch with their own inner voice, with their own coil without a vav, they are the ones who help other people find their voice without a sound, their coil without a vav. And it's so true because think about your own life. Who has ever really inspired you and changed your life in a very deep and real way. It's usually somebody who managed to talk to you from their own innermost space of vulnerability. And that's why, you know, I always tell people who are going through things, and all of us are going through things, don't be afraid of this, because this is what allows you to become a true person of empathy. This is what allows you to become a true leader, to become a true teacher. There's no leadership without finding your own coil without a vav. Leadership doesn't begin with me talking and speaking and, and communicating. And when it does, it becomes hollow, it becomes thin, it becomes uh, superficial. Not because the person is, is, I'm not talking about dishonesty here. It could be the person is trying to be honest. But what are you communicating? You're just communicating a very, very superficial level of energy. And you can hear it right away. You can hear somebody... There was a woman who once told me, she comes to a lot of our classes, so she once told me something very powerful. She said, you know, I listen to a lot, a lot of people. I read a lot and I listen to classes. She's a, a spiritual seeker. She says, but sometimes, uh, the words she used, it, was so, it resonated so deeply, but now I think I have better oasis for it. She says, but sometimes you hear a voice and it's just coming from such a superficial place. Not that the person is trying to be superficial, this is their ultimate depth. So they can hit your deep spot. All they can hit is that superficial spot in yourself. So sometimes she was telling me why she's, why the, the memoriam of the Alter Rebbe are oxygen for her. <laughs> she says, because you hear the coil without a vav. It's the coil without a vav. It speaks to you from a space that's higher than anything you ever articulated about yourself. And when you hear that, you're like, I'm in. You don't have to convince me. You don't have to persuade me. You don't have to draw me in. I'm already in because you reveal to me a part of me that I never knew. And you know it right away. You, it hits that, that essential spot. It's the coil without the vav. And when you speak with a coil with a vav that's connected to the coil without a vav, ah, now you shared something with me. 
Beautifully put. Beautifully put. Thank you, everybody, for your kind words. I don't have to repeat everything. You can see it on the chat. And uh, wishing you all a beautiful and happy Hanukkah. Sending my love and blessings to you and your families. And have an amazing day. I'm just going to mention something. Before you, before you all go, I just want to mention something. I heard this from the Lubavitcher Rebbe the later years. He suggested that every night of Hanukkah, we give Hanukkah gel to our children. Usually the custom is one night or two nights. Some people give the third candle, the fifth candle. But I remember one year, it was I think the late 80s, the Rebbe suggested that every night of Hanukkah, you tr- if you can, you try to give Hanukkah gelt to your children, to all of your children. And um, I would just say that it's a good investment. It's a very good investment because it's not just throwing money at them. There's something very special about Hanukkah gelt. So do it with your heart, do it with your soul, do it with a smile, do it with deep awareness and deep connection and deep attentiveness. Do it with uh, with your coil without a vav. <laughs> okay. This is, of course, in addition to all the latkes and, and all the very important donuts and all the other healthy foods that we all do on Hanukkah. But I'm going to try to keep it easy on the donuts this year. For my sake and for your sake. I didn't this class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net please help us continue the classes make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate